You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Tonight, Lord, we come again to look into your word as a family. And we are asking that your spirit will come and breathe upon us. Open our eyes so that we can behold the truth, the life that is in your word. Help the teacher, help the hearers, help each and every one of us. That tonight we will get something. Something that will be a blessing. Something that will bring transformation. Something that will be of eternal benefit. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise Jesus. Okay, we, we want to go a bit further from what we looked at on Sunday. And um, on Sunday, we, we looked at the account in Luke chapter 14, the parable of the Great Supper, where our Lord Jesus Christ told us about those who were invited to his, or a certain man's supper, but for no cogent reason turned down on the very day of the supper. And our prayer is that none of us will miss our time or times of visitation in the name of Jesus. What is written and prepared for us, we will be there in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not be deceived like we saw on Sunday that the devil's main occupation is deception. Remember the Bible says all power belongs to who? He said, once had that spoken and twice have I heard that power belongs to God. And our Lord Jesus speaking to us says, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been what? Given to me. So what does the devil have? The devil only has the power of those that are out of sync with God. That's why it's the power of deception. That's all he has. Until the money in your account, I, I saw one, one almost, you know, dangerous, successfully um, attempt to steal money from me. Okay, I'd, I'd made some payments, you know, and then I saw an email that said, this name has been added as one of the beneficiaries of something on your account. You know, and he read, if you, don't, if you didn't add it or whatever, for it not to, to, be, to access... You know, in natural response of an evil man is, ah, make nobody steal my money. Let me respond immediately. So I wanted to respond immediately, you know, click, because they put a link under that you click. And I wanted to click it to go and say, this person I did not add. I was thinking it was 419. But the people are a bit smarter. But something said, did he even put anything like this name? I did because I made some payments, you know, that I couldn't remember the name. So something said, pause, go and check the names you made payments to. So I started checking all the names I made payment. And I realized that that name was not there. But one of the banks, the bank they were using was there. Okay? So it dawned on me that, oh, this streak has gone a step higher. Because the natural response is immediately to go and block it. Thinking that that, but t- attempting to block it was a trick. Now, you see, the enemy has been given the permission to be deceitful. That's the only thing he carries about. And that's why the Bible says we should be as wise as who? The serpent himself. So if he brings his deceit, we match it with what? With wisdom. So our prayer is that we will be alert. Praise the Lord. That's why Lord Jesus said to us, watch and what? Pray, lest you fall into temptation. So we are praying and we are watching because the adversary is getting more tricky, more desperate per second. And God will deliver us from all his wiles in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay, so we saw that these people who were invited missed it for no cogent reason. And then the second part of the account, our Lord Jesus began to declare categorically to the people who were following him. And he said, if you do not love me, or rather, if you do not love me more than your father, more than your mother, more than your wife, more than your children, I'm looking at 26 now, sisters, yes, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And he says, whoever does not bear his cross 27 and come after me cannot be my 
disciple, he was saying to us there again that this is very necessary. It wasn't that I don't wish that you be my disciple. He wasn't saying, if you don't do these things, I will not accept you. No, he was saying that for what is going to cost. Like, let, let me read verse 28 of that, Luke 14. Verse 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has what, enough to finish it? So what our Lord Jesus Christ was saying is this. If on this journey, in this Christian path that you're going to, you know, uh, travel on, if you would not put me first and put others in comparison with me as a place of almost hate, it will be difficult for you to make it. What he was simply saying is this. Along the line, there will be choices that you need to make that if this parameter is not set out clearly before you, then the enemy will be able to what? To deceive you. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, I won't wish. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his own. So it's the desire of God that everybody, it's the desire of Jesus that everybody comes to him. But now for when you want to come, when you begin to come, he was speaking to the multitudes that were following him here. He was trying to say to them, please, can you prepare yourself better? So it was not to discourage them. It was to help them to be prepared. Praise the Lord. And we also mentioned uh, Matthew 13. Let's look at it now. Matthew 13 verse 44 and 45. They told us two very important parables concerning the kingdom. And Matthew 13 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid it. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Praise the Lord. He says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Okay? Which a man found and hid. Okay, this man was also smart. Can you imagine? Before he bought it, he hid the treasure. And then he went and did what? Bought the field, okay? And he did that with what? Joy. We're going to come back to that. Let's read 45. 45 is saying the similar thing. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. So this merchant was looking for beautiful pearls. But he found one. Praise God. He was looking for pearls and he found one. And that one was what? Of great price. So what did he do? He went and sold the rest of the pearls he had acquired throughout his career. Okay? Throughout this business. And what did he do? He bought just this one. These two parables are saying something to us. They are talking about valuation. I don't know if there is a, okay, mathematician is here, an accountant or whatever. It's talking about value. And it's talking about value, which ties into what our Lord Jesus Christ was trying to say to us in Luke. He was saying to the people who were following him, if you don't know the value of what you have as the kingdom of God, you will not receive it at the end. And it is value that helps us overcome adversity. It is value that helps us resist temptation. It is value that helps us, you know, put the devil to shame, whatever he brings our way. It is value. There's a song that says, uh, I've come too far from where I started from, isn't it? And I'm not going to go back, okay? It's, It's value that helps us understand that this thing we have, nothing of this can compare to what I already have. And that is very fundamental for the Christian to know what he has, to know who he has, to know. The Apostle Paul says, I know whom what I have believed. It is so critical that we know what, we know who, we know what it's involved. What are we in it for? The Bible also speaks in another place. It says, possessing the end of your faith, which is what? The salvation of your souls. Okay? The Apostle Paul also speaking to us says, if only in this earth, in this life, we have hope as Christians, we are what? We are of all men the most miserable or most pitiable, some translation. It's talking about value. I pray that you and I will get the correct, accurate value of what we have. It determines every other thing. Because you see, on the surface, okay, 
salvation is free. And like we mentioned on Sunday, free things have that risk with them that there is tendency to do what? To despise them. And whatever you despise, what is going to happen? You will lose it. You will lose it. So there is a dilemma. It is free. At the same time, it's of high, high, there is great possibility of it being lost. Or even better still, or even worse still, not better still. Of great, great possibility of it being handled in such a way that at the end you'll be surprised. And imagine our Lord Jesus Christ said to us, he says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this in your name? Did I not cast out devils? Did I not heal the sick? Did I not raise the dead in your name? All that while, if those people knew that they were not in, don't you think that they would have made amendments? They would have made adjustments. But you see, because of the ease with which you can flow along in this kingdom and, you know, think you're in it, we have to give very, very earnest heed to the things we hear. And God will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. This evening, I want us to look at an account in Luke chapter 5. It's a place we've looked at, you know, uh, quite often here. Luke chapter 5 is the account of Peter and um, some of his co-fishermen. And I'll read from verse 1 to 11. I'd like us to read together. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Praise the Lord. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Praise Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. You know, every time I read, you know, I read this, I read this before. Whenever I come to verse 11, it catches me. It catches me. Now, this, by the, the account says, this man had told how many? All night. All night. All night. I don't know how many of us have made effort, extended effort for something, and then you didn't get it. Then all of a sudden you get it. You don't, this is not free. Praise the Lord. They are told all night. That means they needed fish. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not the fish of uh, recreation. It's not let's go fishing. Where, you know, big men who have fish in their houses go and catch fish. And then when they catch it, they look at it, they laugh, they throw it back. That's what they do. The fish they go are fishing for, they don't eat it. It's just for fun. Now, these men toiled all night. Thank God the Bible says toiled all night. It's sweat, it's effort. And when morning came, they were washing their nets in sorrow, in frustration. Praise the Lord. They had failed. They had failed. Our Lord Jesus comes and then he works a miracle. And then there is so much fish. There is breakthrough. Praise the Lord. There is breakthrough in Christianity. I hope you know that. And somebody will get a breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. Here is someone who has been toiling. There is going to be a breakthrough. Because God is watching. He says he's not, he's not going to allow you to be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. So he's going to send you a blessing. The Bible says he sent plentiful rain to confirm his inheritance when they were weary. So in the moments of weariness, God knows he will send a breakthrough. It's part of what he does. 
It's Jesus that walked this breakthrough. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Like the parable we read, he said the man was seeking pearls, isn't it? So he had some pearls, but he saw one. And then he saw the rest. So we're going to get there. So they are told all night, what will now make these people, when they finally get the breakthrough, not one fish did they even take along. The Bible said, verse 11, they forsook all and followed him. Immediately, I want to, you know, uh, the Spirit of God is just bringing it to my mind. It's possible that at that very moment in time, Jesus was leaving to another place. And the option open to them was, take your fish and go and do, conclude your business and miss Jesus. I don't know. I'm just, you know, imagining. Maybe that was a choice left with them immediately. And they said, this man who what we told all night and couldn't catch, with a word of his, we caught it. If we leave him and follow this breakthrough, it will finish someday. Praise God. But the man we may not find again. So they decided wisely that they will do what? They will leave the fish and follow him. I'm sure we today now know they made a wise decision. The question is this. What was it about them? What was it that made them make such a wise decision? It's the same thing we are learning. It is value. It is value. You see, the people who speak words say to us, a bird in hand is what, what? Even five or ten in the bush, Yabi. These people have a lot of fish in hand. Why would they follow this one that is in the bush? Because Jesus was leaving. They can't take the fish. If, if, if the Bible had said they left most of it and followed him, then it would mean they took some. But they left all. Praise God. You see, when we read the Bible, uh, we, we've tried to say that here. When we read the Bible, let us open our hearts to the Spirit of God to work miracles in us. You see, the faith we believe in, the faith that we have come to receive, is a faith that demands miracles for anything to happen in it. Do you know that for you and I to be saved, it took a miracle? Praise God. It's not easy for a man who is living in this physical world to hear the gospel, open his heart, humble himself, uh, depending on, I mean, where you give your life to Christ. For a lot of other places, you needed to at least some persons walk to the altar. It takes humility to come and say, they say, sinners, you want to repent, to acknowledge a sinner. is a miracle because there are some people who are there who are worse sinners, who hear the gospel while at the time of altar call, they go on Facebook or WhatsApp or they are chatting or doing something else. So it's a miracle to be saved. But do you know that every stage of the faith is also a miracle? Praise the Lord. It's a, it takes a miracle to read. But that miracle is not a big deal with God because that's what he does. He says he's always what, doing wonders. Anyway, so for these people to make that choice, they caught a revelation of what the Bible was already saying to us. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, He that does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister, Cannot be my disciple. Now, these people who were fishing, they told us they were the son, they were, amongst them were sons of Zebedee. Their father is going to ask them, what happened to today's fish? Do you get what I'm saying? They will have, Peter had a mother-in-law. It meant he had a wife. Isn't it? So later in the day, he comes back. And uh, mama, mama, what, what would be Peter's son's name? Peterson. Mama Peterson, since it's Peter, the son will be Peterson. Mama Peterson will come and say, Ah, darling, darling, you're welcome. Uh, uh, where is the fish? Uh, uh, uh. And then Peter will come out and say, I left the fish and followed Jesus. Praise God. Are you following what is going to happen? You can imagine what would have happened in that house. Then the mother-in-law will just come out again and say, Ah, Peter's, Peter, Baba, Baba Peterson, where is the fish? And he'll repeat again, I left all the fish and did what? And followed you. Can you see what is brewing in that environment? But you see, it's the fulfillment of that scripture that says, he that does not hate father or mother cannot be. Because if he thought about all those people, he would have left Jesus and followed fish. 
Now, why are we saying this? Everything that is written in the word of God, someone has done it to. So, somebody is facing an issue, a situation now. You're not the first person. The Bible says, no temptation has what? Befallen, but such as is what? Come on to man. What you're going through, I acknowledge. I, don't, I can't even understand what you're going through. True. But it is common to man. You're not the only person. That your temptation or situation is peculiar. It's so difficult, it's extreme. It's part of the deception of the enemy. Because when he pushes it and tunes it in that way, then you now make excuses for yourself and compromise. But when you know that this temptation, this situation, this trial you're going through, you're not the first person. And when you remember you're not the first person, you also remember that many have gone through it successfully. And the Bible says, looking unto what? Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who was for the joy that was set before him. He endured his own and he ended up victoriously. So when we have that at the back of our minds, that we're not the only ones. And people are going through. So we see Peter right before us fulfilling that scripture. Forsaking all and following. So it is possible for you and I to do what? To do same. Now the second thing we want to pick from here is that not only did Peter forsake all, but before he did that in verse 8. Verse 8 says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for what? I am a sinful man, O Lord. We see here what is happening here. There is prosperity or breakthrough, let's call it breakthrough, coming for Peter. But at the same time, there is conviction of soul. This is a blessing. This is a great blessing. And anyone who at every point in his life, no matter whether it is good or bad, still has that soul sensitivity, is in a safe place. A lot of people have made shipwreck of their faith because physical prosperity quench the sensitivity of their souls. The success, some people become, you know, they begin to become successful. The Bible tells us of King Uzziah. What does the Bible say? He prospered and continued to prosper and became very great. And what happened? His heart was what? Lifted up. But when the mercy of God is helping you, as things change like that, you begin to ask yourself questions. That was what happened to David. He said, how can I dwell? He looked at his house and said, this is not proper. It's the same thing that makes a man make money and say, I cannot, I must, I must give out. I must give for the work of the Lord. I must give to the brethren. The alternative is you make all the money and say to yourself, I will build bigger bands. Isn't it? I will tear down the one I have and enlarge. Then I will say to who? There is no God in his dictionary. I'll say to my soul, what? So, so, relax and be at ease. But Peter went the other route. That's how you know you're born again. When prosperity, we had looked at his situation and we saw he needed the money. But now prosperity came and we see he still needed Jesus. He said, no, my lesson is this, is that I'm a sinful man and I'm discerning that you are the Lord. He said, depart from me. In other words, he was acknowledging his need for salvation. Praise the Lord. And for everyone that is, you know, that sensitive, I, I, I can tell you that you're in a safe place. Because a broken and a contrite spirit, our God will never despise or reject. So, so we, we find that there. But before we also leave here quickly, we see something there. That which we mentioned, you know, when we started. The Christian must understand something. That toiling all night and not catching. You see, I started from the back of this text. But I, I hope that the Holy Spirit will help us connect. Where did the fish they finally caught come from? Where did the fish come from? Did the fish, how long does it take fish, you know, the uh, cycle of fish? It's not one night now. So there were not eggs the previous night and all of a sudden... So the fish were there, Abby, and they were toiling, but they didn't catch it. Praise God. Now, but they later caught it. Let me tell you something, you that is listening here. To turn your situation around is not a big deal. It's not as difficult as it appears. They toiled all night, they didn't catch few. They caught nothing. If they had interviewed Peter or James or any of them, that morning, what would they say? 
They say this fish catching business. Now why? Do you understand? It's not possible to catch fish anymore in this lake. All the fish in this lake, they have migrated. In fact, they've become birds. We saw them flying. Some people might even come and say, when people were fishing, the fishes were turning to, 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 to birds. They flew away. You see, in, in, in our moments of difficulties, if we're not careful, we magnify the situation to the extent that it becomes impossible to have faith. But tonight, I just want you to know, you may still be in the toiling season, but I want you to have an attitude that it is nothing for God to do, to turn it around. You see, let, let, let me tell you, what I'm trying to say is this, you're trusting God for a life partner. Somebody can meet you today and marry you before the end of the year. It's still possible. You see, don't believe the devil. Nothing is hard for our God. With God, all things are what? Possible. Nothing is too hard. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Yes, yes, yes. They told all night. The statistics will say he does it. No way, no way, no way, no way. And if you project on it, you will faint. And the enemy knows that the fainting, he needs you to faint. Because if you wait, you will see the salvation of the Lord. So I'm saying to you, don't faint. It's not as difficult as it appears. Praise the Lord. No, no, it's not, it's not that difficult. Yes, it, it has been tough. The year has been tough. The season has been tough. The pain has been there. I've been sharing my testimony in bits. I'm, you know, but when, when at, at the peak of the pain that I was feeling, you know, the, the uh, uh, nerve pain or whatever they called it, you know, at the peak of it, there were all kinds of suggestions that pictures that the enemy was giving to me. He was saying, well, you know, you've seen a few pastors who sit down to preach in and all of that. And it made sense because of the pain. But you see, faith says, if you wait upon the Lord, what will happen? You will rise upon wings as it goes. So tonight I'm saying to somebody, even that infirmity, trust the Lord, healing will come. Praise the Lord. That financial difficulty, trust the Lord. He will turn it around. That situation, God changes situations. And it's not difficult. Look at how did this one change. Jesus did not do anything in the water. He just spoke to Peter. And the same way the word is coming to you today. The word he spoke to Peter, what did he do? He reignited faith. Peter didn't do anything different. He just did what he had done all night. But now with faith. And the Bible says faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word is coming to you now saying it is possible. It is doable. In fact, not that it's doable. It is done. You're going to see it's done. Yeah, hallelujah. That's the God we serve. It's nothing for him. You know, the whole thing was intentional. It says, so it was, verse 1 says, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone. He got into one of the boats. So he got into the boat and then called Peter to come. He said, I've come for you. Come and experience a miracle. But you see, at the beginning, it will appear as a disruption of Peter's plan. That's where the, uh, well, the twist comes in. Because somebody is fainting already. Now, you can imagine if, you know, uh, um, okay, uh, there are a lot of men here who go to work. The days when you've made best effort and didn't succeed, there is a way even the door, that will open the door, you react. Why are you opening the door like that? You see, the problem is failure. You have come home with failure. So everything is wrong. Praise God. Everything is wrong. Now, at that time, it's not when somebody will come and tell you, you know, hey, daddy, daddy, please, can you give me money to buy a PlayStation? If the child is not very far from you, you might get physical. Praise God. But you see, Peter, in that situation, our Lord Jesus bid him come. Not come and get fish. Come and carry me. Let me preach the gospel. Now, whatever it was that helped Peter with his frustration to do that, somebody said, I need it. I need it too. So that I don't miss my visitation. And that's why you're hearing this word. Because when those moments come, you just don't want to go the extra mile. You're tired. And it's okay to be, you know, I mean, you have done your best. 
The fishermen say, you don't catch fish in the sunlight. The shadow of the net, they see it. So as you're throwing it, they're dodging. But he tarried. And while he was tarrying, you know, with Jesus, he was hearing the word. Jesus was preaching to the crowd. Peter was there. He was also hearing the word. And as he was hearing the word, something was saying to him, this one is the one who was in the beginning with God. Without him was nothing made that was made. He came to believe that this is Jesus, the son of God. So when he said to him, now go and catch fish, it was easy for Peter to believe. You see, why we encourage you to spend time to dip yourself in the word of God is so that you believe when the rema comes. You see, if you spend five hours studying the Bible, if God spoke to you for five hours, you'll go mad. Do you understand? You, you can't comprehend it. It'll be too much. The five hours is to give you background. It's to just help you stay in an atmosphere where you know who God is. They said to Joshua, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it how? Day and night. The reason you meditate on it day and night is so that when they ask you to do something from it, you will do it. We're not reading the 10 chapters to do all. We're reading the 10 chapters so that one word out of it, we will be eager to do. So as Peter sat down and soaked in what our Lord Jesus was teaching, when Jesus now said, this is your own word, launch out into the deep for a catch. He said, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to what? Go, why? He had soaked himself. Some of us are too scantily fed with the word that when our rema comes, there's so much, there's so much tears. There's so much cares, both tears, tears in terms of weed, and then there's so much cares that are heavier. You have listened to science, you have listened to the doctor, you have read, you have Googled too much, you have observed, you know, the wind so much, you are so in touch with reality that you cannot connect to faith. The believer lives in this world, but we are not of this world. Praise the Lord. We operate here, but our citizenship is where? In heaven. So what I'm just trying to get us to, to pick from here is this. Our God knew that Peter was in this situation. So Peter's boat, Peter's, you know, being asked to launch out into the deep. All of that was part of the demonstration of the teaching. Knowing also that this same Peter will forsake all. So you can imagine the wonder of the crowd. Now Jesus fed a multitude with five loaves and two fish. In this place, he also fed a multitude with a lot of fish because the owners of the fish left. So the multitude who had finished hearing the word of God were asking, waiting to happen, waiting to happen. They said, there they go, there they go. So free fish for everybody who had the salmon. Do you understand? And they carry fish. So they say, what kind of man is this? He teaches us the word and gives us free fish. Whereas the multitude were excited with free fish, Peter, James, and John were what? Excited with the Savior. Which level will you be at? So God will give us breakthroughs. For those who are concerned about those, he will meet our needs. He's our heavenly father. Praise the Lord. But his greater interest is that you be in him. You know, how many of us are still looking at the letters to the churches in Revelation? Let me mention briefly the second church, the Revelation 2 verse 8. I fear that we may, I may not be able to deal with this. So any opportunity, I just mention it. Now, Revelation 2 8 says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, This thing says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, in brackets says, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say that Jews and are not, but a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Praise God. This is one of the churches that has the shortest message. And very, very... Uh, interesting to note that this church Jesus said to them I know your works they had no fault there was nothing he faulted about them okay so he says I know your works I know your service okay and then he says I know your tribulation tribulation means your distress okay 
What's the other thing he says? I know your poverty. Is that what he said? He said, I know your poverty. But what did he say again? He said, but you're rich. So which one are they? Which one do you think they were? Eh? They were. <laughs> which one do you think they were? Okay. I'm going to help you to get an answer. He says, I know your works, your tribulation, and poverty. Then in brackets, he says, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy. To help us answer, let's go back. Let's read the verse before. You see, we said Peter was toiling all night, isn't it? And caught nothing. If someone saw Peter early in the morning, where would he be? He would be a man that was fishless. Okay. If somebody met Peter, let's say, we don't know the time, exact time, but let's say 10 in the morning, where will he be? He'll be a man that had had what? Abundant of fish. So depending on the time, am I with you? Depending on the time will determine what you will call Peter. Now, this church, in that particular time where they were in, they were poor. But let's look at who addressed them and see why he spoke the way he spoke. He says, this thing says who? The first and the last. Praise God. The first and the last means at the beginning, you are rich. When it's all over, what will you be? You will be rich. In the middle... They might call you all kinds of things. That's why Jesus did not say to this church, receive your breakthrough. Mm -mm. He said, I know you're rich. Because when it is over, you're going to enter into the kingdom of your master. You're not missing that kingdom. You're on the path. Look at what he said, the second one. He said, who was dead? Is Jesus dead? He's alive, have But he was dead. Praise God. He was dead for how long? Three days. The truth is this. In relation to eternity, in relation to the real you, God forbid that you're poor. It, do, it cannot count. We, nobody can describe Jesus as dead. But he was dead. But only for how many days? Three days. The pain, the difficulty, the lack, everything the believer goes through is the same measure compared to your full span. Compared to God's plan, compared to God's purpose, it will amount to nothing. That's why Jesus had to put there, your poverty now. But the truth is what? You're rich. He says, I've gone to my father's house to do, to prepare for you. And I'll come back and receive you. And where I prepare for you, what is there? There are many mansions. There are many mansions. The gates there are built with precious stones. The roads are paved with gold. How can you be called poor? That's what he was saying to them. And that's why it, it was not an emergency for Jesus to respond to. Imagine the one who is almighty. He leaves them in their poverty. Praise the Lord somebody. Why? It is revelation. And why he did not shake was that he knew that these people knew that they were rich in him. We saw the other day about the church who thought he was rich. But we are poor in him. So these are some of the things that we have to catch. So he said to them, verse 10, he said to this church, he said, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. He didn't prevent them from suffering it. Why? Because the Bible says these light afflictions, what do they do? They work for us. They will be part of the testimony. Have you noticed, even in our time, and generally, that when men become very, very successful, very, very successful, they don't go about telling tales of their previous successes. What do they tell? They tell tales of their sufferings. They will tell you how they carried the orange on the head and sold it when they were three years. Some of them might have been drama. They were acting. No, they are now claiming. Why? Because when you finish, when you actually get to the end, those are the things that mark they are the, the ranks that you carry. Is someone getting it? Those are the things that you really celebrate. Nobody wants to finish a race and then come and say, ah, do you know that when the race was about to start, I had advantage over everybody. Nobody wants to tell that for victory. No, the sweetest of victory is that when the race started, my shoelace hooked and they all passed me. Then I got up, tied it and did what? And ran and overcame everything. That's the story everybody wants. That's what is happening here. He says, I know what you're going through. And the people were not eager to. They said, we know. We will wait till the end. 
I pray for grace for you to persevere to the very end in the name of Jesus. So we come back to Peter and we're going to pray, you know, and we're going to pray and try and round up. What was it Peter had here? Peter had a revelation. He had a revelation of Jesus. And the revelation of Jesus is what you and I need. And somebody will say, I already know him, yes. And then we'll grow in the knowledge of him. Isn't that what the Bible says? Let us grow in the knowledge of him. Let us grow in grace. Peter had a knowledge of Jesus. The first knowledge he had was that this man who with one word converted all our failure into success. What if, if I know him more? Then I can get more than fish. Everyone who is alive, who is mature enough, knows that it takes more than food to be alive. It takes more than money to be alive. In fact, in our country now, being rich, even though poor people are now being kidnapped. In the East, you know, I remember many years ago when kidnapping actually started in the East. Old rickety vehicles, their prices started going up. Because people who had Hummers and, you know, Mercedes Jeeps and all of that, start going to, into the market and they say, we want to buy Renault. Renault, do you have? We want to buy Volkswagen. Why? Because all of, all of a sudden, those became the safest cars to go to the village with. Okay? So, Peter that we look at here saw a revelation of something in Jesus that said to him, there is more. I need more than fish. I need safety. We're told that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. I need healing. I need all of that. And above all, I need eternal life. Praise the Lord. That was what he said. And he turned his back and followed. I want you to see one of the immediate benefits of that is choice. In Matthew 17, Matthew 17, you can open to it with me, please. From verse 24 down to 27. They came to collect tax. And I don't know how they did it, but they must have trapped Peter and the Lord Jesus in some place. And Jesus said to him, to Peter, What do you think, Simon, from whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said, then the sons are free. But look at what he said to Peter in 27. He said, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened his mouth, what will you do? You will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Now, can you see what happens when you trust Jesus? Peter before would have needed to go and catch fish. After catching fish, do what? Wash it and sell. And then make money. But when you trust Jesus, praise the Lord, it can only get better. The songwriter says, every day with you is what? It's sweeter than the day before. You see, no man will follow this Jesus genuinely and truly and have regrets. The next time Peter was in a situation, he caught automatic money. What he found there was gold coin. He must have paid the tax and they needed to give them change. The same Jesus. From glory to what? May that be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says as we round up. John 16 verse 33. Jesus speaking to us. Say to them. These things I have spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. The child of God. The Christian must believe. That Jesus is able to handle every situation, every circumstance. When he tarries, he says, don't faint. You still believe. He says, that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation. But in me, as you follow me, as you trust me, as you lean on me, you will have peace. He says, why? He says, I have overcome the world. I have overcome. And that was what his life with the disciples while he was on earth, that was what his life tried to show the disciples that no matter the circumstance they were in, as long as they were with him, it was nothing to worry about. They were in the storm, you know the story. And the water was filling in. Jesus pretended like he was sleeping. And when they thought it was all over, what did he do? He just stood up and said, peace be still. And everything calmed down. So he was sending a signal that as a Christian, it doesn't matter what the situation in our country is. It doesn't matter what the economy is saying. It doesn't matter what the exchange rate is saying. It doesn't matter what the job you know, records are saying. 
as long as I am in him, the one I'm in has overcome the world. He has solved the problem. My challenge is to connect to him so that I can receive the solution he has. Praise the Lord, somebody. We can praise him better for that. We are serving a redeemer who has what? Overcome the world. He has overcome the troubles, the trials, the distresses, the pain, the disappointments of the world. He has. He has. He has. And somebody might be there and saying, Pastor, you're just preaching. No, I'm not just preaching. The Bible says, through the foolishness of preaching, he has determined that the world, the people will be saved. The words will come in that are coming out for your salvation. You believe it, you will experience it. In the name of Jesus. You and I must believe that the one we have to do. Peter turned and followed him. Why? He said, this man is greater than this catch. He's greater. There is something I see in him. Every day he was seen more. He was seen more. There was one account when the Jews surrounded him and wanted to push him down the cliff. And the Bible said he walked right through them. Sometimes I imagine how did that happen. Maybe they caught the wrong person and until they got there, they saw they were holding their brother. You know, I don't know how it happened. But Jesus is mighty. Jesus is the son of God. All power belongs to him. When you follow him, he can handle everything that comes your way. Be it spiritual, be it physical, be it emotional, be it even very, 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 uh, what we may call flimsy. He can handle it. He's savior. And he's able to save to the uttermost. He can handle it. That's what we are learning tonight. Praise the Lord. Jesus is all that you need. And he's more than enough. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But Peter said something to us here that we don't want to miss. Peter said, I've told all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, what? At your word, I'm going to go again. Jesus will save me, will deliver me, will help me in my, from that situation. How is he going to do it? It will be his word. It will be his word. Come with me to 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Let's read verse 4 and 5. If you have the Amplified, I'd like to have it from the Amplified. Thank you. It says, for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has conquered and overcome the world. world. Our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Now, the second part says, who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? This is a question. It is the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. I think this is the classic, or rather the um, abridged version. Let's see what the way the classic puts it. So we get the point as we round up here. Praise God. Okay. Verse 5, amplified. It says, Who is it that is victorious over, that conquers the world? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. Now in bracket, this is what it says. Who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. What is the translation? It means that whatever he says to me, what do I do? I do it. I do it. That's what it means to have faith. It means I do what he says. Does it make sense? It's the word. Praise God. The word overthrows sense. That's what it is. Because you see, sometimes we read these things, we think that there, and we're trying how to download it. No, it's simply saying, my sister, it's simply saying, my brother, what he says to you now, what? Do it. Let's rise on our faith. What he says, do it. What he says, do it. If he says, wait, you wait. If he says, speak, you speak. If he says, go and knock on that door, you go. If he says, go and ask for that place again, you do whatever he says, do it. Why? He has overcome. He has overcome. He's the savior. He has the touch. He's the deliverer. He has the power. He's the healer. He has borne the stripes. He's the balm of Gilead. He makes a way where there is no way. I want you to lift up your voice to him and tell him I trust in you and I will follow you. 
we, we, you see, you can say I'm just following Jesus. I just love him. It's okay and it's true and that is what the basis is. But you're following the son of God. You're following the almighty. You're following the most high. You're following the one that has power. You're following the first and the last. You're following the one who holds the keys of death and his in his hands. You're following the one who speaks and it happens. You're following the one whose words can never return to him void. You're following the almighty God. He is Jesus. He can turn situations. He turns situations around. When the man whose son was epileptic said, If you can do anything, Jesus says, There is no can with me. If you believe all things are possible, I am God. Whatever I will to do is done. Lord, I will trust in you. I will follow you. That's what we're saying. I know. I know my situation is difficult, but you are greater. Your grace is greater. Your love is deeper. Your power is greater. You can handle every situation. I will trust in you. I will follow you. You are my God. You are my God. I make up my mind. I will put you first and I will trust in you. For it is your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. You want the best for me. You will not allow me to be tried or tempted or examined beyond what I can bear. Indeed, your path for me and your plan for me are plans and thoughts of good, never of evil, to bring me to a future, to bring me to an expected end. You know where I am. You know where I am. You know where I am. The, the Bible scholars say all the temptations of Job, all of it was not up to one year. In fact, they said less than seven months. So God knows. And the Bible says we see the end intended of the Lord. So you're passing through difficulty. I need you to reignite your faith. Tell him, Jesus, I trust in you. You are a good, good savior. Dead for three days, but alive forevermore. I know that my situation will be like that as well. This pain will surely go away. This healing will surely come. This circumstance will surely turn around. This shame will be wiped away. My tears will be wiped away. I shall yet laugh. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord and He's conquered the world. He said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Father will give you the praise. Blessed, blessed be your name. For in Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. And God's people said, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.